0: Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers.
1: Hi, I'm Brian Lord, president of Premier Speakers Bureau here. Every Friday through the summer, we're doing our free virtual Friday series uh, to provide great content for you uh, during this unique time. you're also able to learn more about great speakers and see some virtual presentations. Today, we're excited to have on Damon John as our guest for a virtual fireside chat. Uh, Damon started a clothing company in his mother's basement and transformed it into a global fashion empire. It's amassed over $6 billion worldwide in retail sales to date. Damon, of course, as most of you know, is the co-star of ABC TV's four-time Emmy Award-winning series Shark Tank. He's been appointed a presidential ambassador of global entrepreneurship by the Obama administration. And he's the author of two New York Times bestselling authors, Rise and Grind in 2018 and The Power of Broke in 2016. Uh, Damon's also known around the world as the people shark and here at premier we've enjoyed booking uh, Damon for dozens of companies and organizations in nearly every industry always to great success. So Damon thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now for those who are watching this is a fireside chat so it's very conversational. We're able to take your questions. uh, So definitely uh, send those in here. Um, so we have collected a few here in advance, Damon. So if you're ready, we're ready to uh, jump in with some of those questions. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Let's rock. All right. So the first question here is from Jean Legat with Prime Lending. Uh, what is your daily routine during this challenging time?
0: Ooh, well, so my daily routine. Um, well, the my daily routine, uh, probably about 15% of it has not changed. So as soon as I get up in the morning, I... Well, let, me, let, me, let me step back. So I go to sleep at night. I go to sleep probably about 2 a.m. Um, I try to get to bed about 12. Uh, and I read goals that I read every single night before I go to bed and every morning when I wake up. They're the same uh, 10 goals that I read. Uh, six of them expire in six months. The other four expire in two years, five years, 10 years, and 20 years. The reason I read them before I go to bed because I want that to be the last thing that I'm thinking about when I go to bed. So my mind and my subconscious mind just dreams and thinks about those goals. And the reason I read them the first minute I wake up is because I want to take one action toward each one of those goals. So that's what I first do. And in the morning I reflect for the first, uh, about an hour. It takes me about an hour to go through those goals. Uh, after that, I, uh, after that, I'll obviously eat, and I'll do some kind of calisthenics or something to get my body pumping. And then I go towards my emails. I don't look at any Instagram or any social media platform because you would consume looking at that. Then I go into my emails, and I don't look at the emails themselves. I send out as many emails as I can. I look at my, you know, I look at my inbox as uh, you know defense, and my outbox offense. Uh, so I make sure I send out as many because if you wake up in the morning. And if you look on social media and you go answer emails, all the emails are other people's problems. I never get an email saying, you know, uh, remember the problem we had yesterday. Well, it's resolved and I'm sending you a million dollars. <laughs> and if you look on Instagram, everybody's healthier and sexier than you are. And they are just as screwed up. So I try not to do that. Then after that, uh, I have my day scheduled. I have my day scheduled per half an hour up until, uh, you know, probably about five o'clock. Um, uh, Skype calls, interviews, uh, you know, research time, uh, time with my child uh, doing virtual learning. And then by six o'clock, I go out to some form of taking a a walk, a jog, ride a bike, swim. Uh, And then I come back home right around uh, eight, nine o'clock and spend about an hour with my daughter, uh, some quality time with her, put her to bed. And then I relax and either play Monopoly virtually with a bunch of my friends or
1: play chess or something else. And then I go to bed around 12. Okay. And out of curiosity, what are a couple of those goals? Are there any that you can share with us?
0: Yeah, the goal uh, listen the, the six goals that I, uh, I read, they range anywhere from health, and spirituality, to business to whatever cases. So, um, I may have one that basically says, you know, I, you know, going back to shooting shark tank probably in September, and I would like to be at my best fighting weight. So I basically say, you know, I will lose 20 pounds, uh, uh, by here to, uh, you know, September by trying to lose two pounds a week. And how will I do that? By reducing eating, uh, no no meats, uh, no fried foods, uh, alkalizing my body two times a day with a juice, not eating after 6 p.m. and drinking uh, eight bottles or eight, eight glasses of water a day or 10 glasses of water a day and logging in 10,000 steps. And when you read the goals, though, it's not just I want to lose these pounds because what are you going to do? after you get to that goal. What's your why? Well, if I do that, I will be healthier and I will make sure that I will extend my life to be around to walk my 3 girls down the aisle. And that's a bigger goal on top of the initial goal.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right. So next question uh, is from Teresa Irwin with Express Employment. I know you know her. From, oh, by the way, you
0: know, I got to make one statement about that. Yeah. I, I never hit my
1: goals. Oh, okay, Oh, uh,
0: my, my six months one. Why? Because I set them so big. But here's what I do. Uh, if I get if the goal is here and I get to here when I reset it, it's this big. And that's why I don't hit them because I set them so high. So I will not lose 30 pounds by the time we get to Shark Tank. But maybe it'll be 18 and a half.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, so a uh, question from Therese here. Uh, what, uh, From the innovation perspective, what do you think are some of the good things that will come from our experience with COVID-19.
0: You know, it's hard to predict the future. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you make the future. Do what I think are some good things in general. I think that every single industry will be disrupted. Um, I think that I call this time some of my new speaks uh, talks or some of my new... Uh, Topics I've been talking on is I call this time COVID has created the rise of the machines, mm. meaning that uh, the machines are going to look this year like they would have looked in 2025 or 2030 because of COVID. And and what do I what do I mean rise of machines? Well, we're on Zoom obviously, and uh, and everybody's virtually working. People are are not going to need office space for the same reasons they needed it before. They're not going to travel for the same reason they need before. And so I'm predicting that's going to happen in the future and in every industry. I mean, I was on TMZ today about schools. Schools are going to change the whole way of business right now. I mean, you know, uh, kids right now are deciding, do they even want to go to school this year or take a year off, right? So schools are going to have to step up their ability to teach, right? They're not going to have to do, they're not going to, uh, profit too much more off the pre-recorded type of stuff. They're going to have to do live training and they're not going to make as much money with people living on campus because people are going to realize I don't need to live in that area. However, they also can extend their education globally and faster and get more people in. So, uh, a lot of things are going to happen. So what I say about Rise of the machines, you're going to have two types of people. Some industries will go away and some industries will flourish. And you're going to have two types. Some who are like John Connor, trying to always fight the, the Terminator. And some who are like George Jetson, who's going to ride that machine all day long and have a great time. So uh, the future is... The future is uh, it's bright, um, but again, uh, you know what I what I predict. Are all those things, a lot of virtual stuff is going to happen, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna enjoy the quality of life with all these uh, new industries that are going to be, or new products and services that are going to come out of this uh, within another two years. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So, next question here from uh, Mia Landrin. Uh, my question: In the current environment, many people have to reinvent themselves. What are some actions you can recommend to help them create a new personal brand?
0: Yeah, you need to know your why, though, that you're going to uh, reinvent yourself. And I love even when we speak, can you put yourself in two to five words? How are people really uh, defining you, you know, when you walk in the room or when you get onto a Zoom? And are you being very honest with yourself? What are the two to five words that describe you? Apple think different, Nike just do it, Google before us, bias White Castle, what you crave. So how are you doing that? And how are you using that? putting it up here on social media or these ways that you're communicating because everybody's watching you here first um also people going to be needing to be more technically proficient people who thought that uh you know the internet and social media was just some place to look at stupid videos and laugh and people are going to realize that that's where they find funding that's where they're going to find opportunities and jobs people are also going to have to reinvent themselves by collaborating with other people and or uh you know entities to find out how to use best of both resources so so uh you know a lot of people are going to have to reinvent themselves and they're going to have to know what's their why you know when you communicate with people what is your voice how do you find your voice well you put down a couple of categories what do i love in life what do i hate in life what was a fond memory of when I was a child? Where do I, what always amazed me? Who amazes me? You know, what pisses me off that I need to be vocal about? And you find your voice as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, also, again, just remind people, you can uh, post questions on Q&A, and and we have got some more great ones here too. And uh, Damon, thank you for sharing that. Um, for, uh, for Justin Mills, out of all the companies that you've invested in, what characteristics sets the successful companies apart?
0: Uh it's always been the leader um, of the company are people who are constantly learning. They're constantly educating themselves. Uh they educate themselves on the industry, they educate themselves on the people they're hiring, and they fail a lot, but they fail small but they try a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And those are probably the ones and they're very, and they're not even egotistical as much as you would think they are open minded and they're always moving forward. And that's, I mean, that's a real true entrepreneur. They act, they learn, and then they repeat. Um, and that's what I feel. And nothing stops them. They just keep going and they, they, they keep trying to figure it out. And even if they don't figure out when they fail, they know they left everything on the table or they know where they went wrong and they don't make that same mistake in the new company or in the new direction of new things that they're doing. Hmm.
1: How much time do you spend working on existing business versus developing a strategy to take advantage of new opportunities that will come from this new normal business environment?
0: You know, I, I think that's an excellent question. Um, right now, because we're fairly new into what I think is a two year process, uh, I am spending probably about 80% of the time working on the existing business because, uh, you know, don't go out and try to find something new if you haven't been um, adjusting what you currently have, right? <laughs> kind of like the bird in the hand against two in the bush. And, you know, there's, uh, there's only two ways uh, to run business, right? You either increase sales or reduce costs. So right now I'm finding the ways to reduce costs. Uh, And then there's only three ways to ever deal with a customer. You acquire a new one, upsell a current one, or make one buy more frequently. So acquiring a new one is 25% uh, harder. I mean, excuse me, it's, it's two times harder than upselling a current one or making one buy more frequently. So right now we home in on our inventory and say, how can I upsell a current one? or make one buy more frequently. After we get past all that of reducing costs and then upselling other customers or making them buy more frequently, then we go out and look for new opportunity.
1: Hmm. Um, This one is um, from Daniel Champagne. Um, I read Rise and Grind back in January in light of the recent economic, social, et cetera, changes. Have you rethought your G-R-I-N-D acronym looking at how this environment will change the future of business?
0: Uh, t- first of all, thank you, Daniel, and I love the name Daniel Champagne. I wish, I wish I had that one. I mean, I hope that's your. I hope that's on your birth certificate. If not, it's going to be on my next child' birth certificate. But um, uh, and thank you for reading Rise and Grind. No, I haven't. I haven't changed what it is. I think that the fundamentals of the grind is always going to be the same. We're just going to be doing it on different platforms in different ways. Um, but no, not at all. Uh, you know, I think it's more needed now than ever before. You got, you only have 24 hours in the day. And some people these days are taking, uh, you know, where we're at today and thinking of it like a Saturday and they're doing taco Tuesdays on Fridays. Other people are putting their heads in the sand thinking this thing is going to go away or everything's going to go back to normal. And some people are scared to death while the other ones are getting their grind on. I am busier now than ever before. Busier now. and I can't say that you know it's uh necessarily uh compensating me uh the same way, but it's compensating me in other ways spiritually, uh, you know, love of my family, health, uh, as well as uh, knowledge of where, the, of where businesses are going, and uh, the grind is still the same.
1: Hmm. So, the next question here from Rahul Bayaj Uh, Damon, hope you're well. Thank you for speaking today. What's the Thank top you. piece of advice? you're giving to your CEOs right now during these challenging times?
0: Take inventory, take inventory first of all, you know, some CEOs are are making a lot of hard decisions right now. Um, Some with high touch uh, clientele, you know, spas and gyms and things of that nature. And first of all, they have to, as I was saying before, take inventory and what's inventory? Who's in your Rolodex and context? How many staff members you have? How much cash and debt do you have on hand? And then you have to then see where can you collaborate with them? We were talking to a group of hotel owners and we were sharing with them, listen, your staff right now is nowhere near where it used to be. And we just realized that People like Hyatt are now outsourcing their staff to CDS and Walgreens and Walmart. Why? You've got a highly trained staff who needs to work. You have another industry that is hiring right now. How are you collaborating, right? Mm-hmm. How are you keeping those people, even though you're furloughing those people, those people are now uh, being compensated. And you know they're not going to get poached, most likely, because they going to come back to that industry. So take inventory of that Rolodex. And I'm telling CEOs, call people now. Call everybody that you know, and first of all, check on them because uh, most of my clients, uh, we've called them some of the big, big clients and we've just checked on them and they said, you know what? Nobody else has checked on us. Everybody thought of us as the check writer and nobody has just seen personally how I'm doing. And they really appreciate that because we are concerned about them and we care about them. And then also call people and see how you can collaborate. You know, two months ago, you were calling clients and you may not wanted to call them because you couldn't get a hold of them. Maybe they want to plane train or maybe they had other programs. They were too busy. Every one of your clients are home on the couch, arguing with their significant other with the remote control in their hand, getting, getting, getting bothered by their child, my executive producer <laughs> as we're, as they're broadcasting. And they are looking to do things. And they're like, thank God you called what you got going on because damn, I need some help. So those are a couple of things we're doing.
1: By the way, I love the dress there that is that's cool I've got a three year old daughter myself, and so uh i love I love the outfit there thank you uh so uh next question from Jennifer Hamilton I'll be right back in. our uh Ooh. conference um, uh our conference center in uh Chicago has temporarily closed during this time. You mentioned the rise of the machines, but you see our industry, the meeting venues hotels recovering fully from this. Uh, where we'll still need there where there will still be a need for in-person meetings and events. I do
0: see it. It's gonna be in various different ways. I mean I think the the, the there's two different ways that, that history has shown the pandemic's happened that I've read upon because we've never dealt with a pandemic in our lifetime. There's one where it's technically and medically over, which, you know, we can't see that for another year, year and a half, two years because of a vaccine. And there's one when society feels it's over and they need to get back to normalcy. And that we saw after only a month, people wanted to go out and start tongue kissing each other on the streets, right? So um, do I think it's going to come back? Yes. Do I think it will alter in some ways? Yes. Do I think that I'm not happy that uh, Zuckerberg uh, said he doesn't want people over fifty congregating for the next uh, basically fourteen months, ah, and he's one of the thought leaders out in the market. He was the first person to say that it had nothing to do with sports or entertainment. I'm not happy about that, but I understand he's trying to save people. However, that being said, if companies like Twitter and Square and all these companies are going virtual they're probably going to do, I think, more events. I think they're going to want to gather people together because they just have been seeing each other virtually for six months, two years, whatever. And I think there's going to be a need to do more things. Um, So I look at it like that. Also, will the event spaces and those things take their event spaces to the people? I mean, we're already talking about uh, you know, an RV or a tour bus where I'm going to venues and I'm going to parking lots where the, you know, you have the staff outside and it's a other type of engagement. So, uh, it's going to alter in some different ways, but I do think that there is a massive amount of, uh, opportunity out there. That's going to arise. On this. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Uh, so, uh, Gamal Kareem at, at, uh, asks at Barnum, our CEO just, uh, puts employee well-being above all else. Your people are your greatest assets. How do you set yourself apart from other CEOs?
0: I don't think I set myself apart from other CEOs. I think that uh, there are other... Listen, there's no one way to run a company. I think there are other CEOs that I truly, truly admire. And I think there's other CEOs that I wish they would have made different decisions um for me i closed up my office and i don't i don't i'm you know i'm in the hotbed office in new york city and i don't want my staff to come to work uh physically have to go to work for the next year to two years because uh no matter how much disinfecting and things and and, and procedures that I put in place if they get covid on the subway and they go home and they take it to uh you know their or their, themselves they pass. I would never be able to live with myself because of the couple of dollars we made that day against somebody else losing a life. So um, I put my staff first um, and I think all people should because they are the ones that work so hard for you. You know, I call myself Batman in the office and everybody else is Robin, but most of the time I'm Robin and they're Batman because I hire smarter people than me and uh, uh, there's no reason for me to hire them if they're not smarter and I care about them. So I generally care about my, my, my employees, and I don't think I've met too many CEOs that really don't care about their employees.
1: They, they generally care. And I, I can say from working with your team for pretty much a decade now, they're all great. So you, you definitely do a great job hiring. Um, thank you. And do me a favor. Don't say
0: anything to them because that minimum wage, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you know, kill me if I got to stop paying them over minimum wage, so thank you.
1: <laughs> this is from Justin uh, Podlieski uh what sectors or industries do you think might be in a better position to surprise uh as a george jetson
0: well let's look i mean so many different sectors are going to win um let's look at the legal sector i mean you know they're going to be cleaning up this mess the attorneys are going to be cleaning up this mess for the next 20 years uh virtual assistants are going to be obviously Uh, Doing really well, of course, anything uh, protecting people from disinfectants to shields to uh, personal shields and offices and things of that nature. Um, uh, uh, Garments and or things that have technology to it that can, uh, you know, indicate certain type of temperatures and things of that nature, other Devices, you know, uh, hearing devices and things of that nature who can take temperatures and technology in that form. Of course, anything that you walk through that can take your temperature and or... There's going to be so many tests out in the market. Um, Education is going to grow because people are going to realize, and I'm not talking about the big universities, but uh, private schools and and kids are going to be able to get um, that type of assistance. Daddy's working right now, baby. I'll be right with you okay, you're tired, that's fantastic. So, um, there's a lot of those sectors that are gonna really, really grow. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, next question here, by the way, for those uh, tuning in, we've got, we obviously we want to respect uh, Damon's half hour here, so we've got uh, about seven more minutes here, six or seven more minutes here. Uh, so we'll get to as many questions as possible, but definitely keep uh, sending them in here. Uh, this next one is from uh, Nathan Sears. Uh, Damon, thanks for speaking. Uh, what advice would you give to someone starting an online business during these times?
0: You know, well, starting an online business or a retail shop or any business is how do you build community, right? How do you? Where is your unique selling proposition? How do you build community? And we're not talking about a large community. How do you build a small enough community where you can have them be your ambassadors, but have them more importantly give you proof of concept and and basically dissect whatever your product and technology is and learn to get the bugs out of everything at a very small stage so then when you are ready to scale and grow it, you've already taken uh, you know, all the bugs or as many of the bugs out of as possible. But, of course, it's the first thing, like, whether it's selling a T-shirt or whether it's lotion or whether it's technology, how do you get that small community first that is going to be your cheerleaders? Hmm. Besides, the obviously, technical support reasons. I mean, the product is king, but I'm talking about after you've already had the product.
1: This one is from uh, Marco Berna. A little bit off the business side. um, If uh, if a doctor said you only had five years left, what are your true inner dreams that you would like to accomplish? Um,
0: five years left. True inner dreams that I would like to accomplish would be give more of my time to charity and/or things such as. trying to stop human human trafficking and uh, and take illegal guns off the streets that are murdering people and try to break the medical system where everybody can uh, hopefully be able to feed their families as well as stay healthy. Um, um, choke Kevin O'Leary to death. Um, <laughs> trying to think of some other things. Save that one goes animals, without saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Save as many animals as I could and, of course, make sure that my, my little three-year-old is somebody who is better and stronger than me as she's growing older Hmm. and walk
1: my Uh, other two girls down the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so of all of your business ventures, which one was the most fulfilling and why? Um, I think
0: Bombas socks was the most fulfilling that I had worked with. It's the number one brand in Shark Tank history. Um, but more importantly, they came on the show and they were selling socks and I was saying to myself, at that time, I already have 10 clothing companies and eight of them are dead. The last thing I need is socks. And uh, when I invested in them, um, it was a symbiotic relationship. They taught me how to use the machine and taught me how to sell direct to customers. But more importantly, they showed me how today's consumer, instead of giving at the end of the year, giving at the office, mm-hmm. a consumer wants to brag at the end of the year and say, I gave 300 times. Every single time I bought this, I helped clean up the ocean. Every single time I bought this, Obama socks. I help give to the homeless who have a challenge of uh, you know caring for their feet. So I think that they educated me. So not only did I get a uh, you know a great reward financially, but I think I got an even better education.
1: Hmm. Uh, what advice would you give out for the class of 2020 graduates?
0: Ooh, class of 2020 graduates. Uh, how can you how can you reverse mentor all the people that are in trouble? The ones who are uh, not savvy enough to realize how much they needed to understand technology and consumers and um, converting on social media platforms and and how do you go out and I always tell kids this a lot of a lot of the parents are really not that excited when I say this and some are excited how do you spend I mean it's it is a clean white slate right now and there are going to be a lot of opportunities and 2008 2009 companies such as uh, uber and pinterest and square uh you know and venmo were created how do you source all the people that you know and come up with that new technology how you also go out and get a job where you can reverse mentor people who didn't know they needed the uh, the to have a digital native such as you and also how do you do whatever you want to do for the next 10 years because up until for 20 years of your life, you were somebody's child and hopefully you're going to live to a hundred years old. And you know what you're going to be in a while, you're going to be somebody's uh, husband or wife, then parent, then grandparent. And if you live for a hundred years, can you take 10 years to find your why and just do you so that you will be happier for the rest of your life. So you have to combine all those things. Hmm.
1: So this question is from Sherry Maynard. Our main revenue streams are memberships and events Areas that will be severely impacted. Any suggestions on how to reinvent uh, technology can only bring in so much revenue?
0: Uh, very true. I, t- I think I touched on it a little bit. and I can't say that I have the answer to membership and events, but the membership, how do you, how do you oversupply for the members? And that is a question that uh, she's only going to know because she knows her business 10 times better than me. I'll give an example. I was uh, consulting somebody who owns a large chain of uh, gyms and fitness places. And they said, we have members and we have events. And now I can't do any of that. And I'm not going to say that this is easily transitioned to her company but uh what we decided is uh, they didn't want to lose their membership fee so they sent all their machines over to their members and they didn't rent them they said that's part of your memberships and then they brought a bunch of cameras into their facilities and uh their teachers now do independent classes kind of like mm. you know what peloton does they also uh hooked up with two or three food service companies and said, you guys are uh, not food service, uh, 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 retail. So as I said, you guys are not having heavy foot traffic. Can you pass on to my members a 30% discount for, uh, you know, becoming, uh, you know, getting food delivery from you? And give me 5% of that. They also went to retailers and said, our members are all healthy. They want clothing. And you have a bunch of clothing you can not sell. Please pass on 30% discount to them. And what what did that do for everybody? the stores got to move inventory. The members felt that they got a discount and the, the gym owners they ended up uh, retaining a lot of their members and uh, you know, keeping their businesses open. I'm not saying you can necessarily do that in the event space you're doing, but just think of some of those things and hopefully they'll give you some ideas.
1: All right. So last question here, we're at our half hour here. Uh, this question is from Sarah Chamberlain. Do you think Mark Cuban wants to be president?
0: I do. He's getting extremely slim. He, he's skinny. He's, he's, and he's wearing suits. I mean, you know, the first eight years of Shark Tank, we have to go into his dressing room and hold him down to put on a suit. Um, <laughs> he's making a lot of public statements, which first of all, you know, Mark is, uh, you know, I'm going to just tell you a quick story. You know, when we were on Shark Tank in the first a year or two, people are like, "Who are these people?" Nobody knows these people, and Mark Burnett never wanted to put on just big celebrities because the consumer, the the viewer would say, "Those, those, the, the, that person is a singer. That person is never going to go off and actually help run the business." And all the other well-known business people didn't want to come on. And Mark Cuban said. I'll come on the show if it's really going to help the future generation. And then only because Mark came on the show and then he was able to go on to Jimmy Kimmel and all the other talk shows and advertise the show. And it was only because of Mark Cuban that Shark Tank stayed because we were going to get canceled for the first two years in a row. So he always has felt that he had... uh, a responsibility to the public and to people. And I just think that, uh, I don't, I, you know, he's, I think he's going to run. Um, and I hopefully it's going to be, you know, in four years, but maybe eight. Mm-hmm.
1: Sounds good. Well, Damon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for tar- taking the time to share these stories and your wisdom and to help out people just like you were saying that you've always wanted to do.
0: Thank you so much. I hope everybody is staying healthy and safe and uh, wishing everybody a great Memorial Day. And thank you for all that I have spoken for in the past and hopefully will work with in the future. And I just wish you and your families all the best. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guest, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.